Brought to you by Dubois Productions. Hello and welcome back to NO and JB Sports Pedigree. We are back to provide insight on a wide variety of sports topics, from Major League Baseball to NFL football, some NBA hoops to professional soccer, and everywhere in between. And our goal is to shed some light on some topics that maybe you haven't thought about or discussed before and have a whole lot of fun while we do it. Hopefully you have fun right along with us. So let's not waste any more time. I am JB. And I'm blessed to be able to do this again. It's N.O., y'all. How y'all doing out there today? What up, N.O.? How are you? Man, everything's copacetic, as they used to say. <laughs> copacetic. Ready to get going with the podcast today on N.O. and JB Sports yeah. Pedigree. What's going on with you, my brother? How you doing? Just, just staying busy. Just staying busy. Heard you had a nice, uh, nice recruiting trip. That's awesome. Yeah, solid. Solid, solid, solid. All what right, you got to well, do as a collegiate coach. Yes, sir. Uh, we are going to get back at it this week with a brand new segment. This segment is called On the Spot. On and, the Spot? Uh, yeah. On, on the, the spot. spot. Tell me about it, JB, because I, I need to know what's going on here. Just <laughs> of like course. the fans do. So we are going to essentially put each other on the spot. Um, now, this, you know, differing from some other segments that we have, um, we're going to provide a scenario um, and allow the other person to elaborate fairly briefly. Um, we're not going to go into a, you know, big three, four, five minute conversation about these topics, but um, some things that are out there that need to be discussed and just kind of give the other person an opportunity to, to uh, make a determination on the spot sounds good to me let's get it going man all right i'll kick this one off uh first time so yes sir uh we actually were just briefly off air discussing um we have the the men's wimbledon final is currently going on and novad djokovic is uh in the final yet again you know um in your opinion what does novad djokovic have to do at this point to prove that he is the greatest men's tennis player of all time nothing because he's uh he's right at the top in terms of major championships grand slam titles and 36 years old if i'm not mistaken he's still doing it at its highest level mind you if y'all remember novak during the early days of covid was not playing in major tournaments because he was not allowed to play yep so think about yeah he missed a few at least he has right now missed a few think about the frustration and the vengeance that he has right now that he's playing with he still has a chip on his shoulder he still has a lot left to prove it's novak he's above nadal he's above fed she is what it is there you have it i thought you might say that i thought you might say that no, all right no doubt about it and i will be talking about him in segment two so i'm oh. gonna add a couple Alrighty statistics then. that will support this in that segment all right jb the credit that Steve Kerr receives for the Warriors mm. being successful, what does he have left to do to be considered a Hall of Fame coach? Um, I mean, honestly, I would say nothing on this one as well. Um, wow. You know, consider you have four titles. I mean, how many other NBA coaches have four titles? True. And I, I would have to look, but I'm... I'd be willing to bet that there's not an NBA coach with two titles or more that is not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and 
if we're being real, I mean, no coach has ever, in my estimation, won a title without having great players. So, good point. If you make yeah. an argument that that would that well, that might be some people's argument. Yeah, oh, like, well, he's got Steph and Clay. Well, I mean, everybody's had great coaches, and you know, those guys were there before he got there and hadn't won yet. So, there's something to be said for just molding the the kind of the chemistry and massaging the egos, and he has made. You know, if you go back, I don't have any specifics right off the top of my head. You might. But if you go back and look at some of the championships runs, made some very um, important decisions with starting lineups here and there or getting guys in more, uh, making adjustments, you know, outside of, of course, the big three. And let's be honest, the most recent title, I don't know how many people besides us really expected that one. That may have been kind of the clincher for him um two years ago winning over the celtics because i don't think that heading into that season anybody really gave them a shot yeah i agree x's and o's wise uh he's been above average all right nice Alrighty. job jb all right if the reds don't add starting pitching before the deadline what will it take for the young stars to win the division you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that they can if they don't add pitching. Uh, it would take uh, Andrew Abbott pitching like a Cy Young candidate. It will take Brandon Williamson becoming marketably better. Um, it would take the bullpen not falling off, even though they've been overworked due to the lack of starting pitching. It would take them to stay consistent. And it will take our lineup being much more consistent than it has as of very recently. Um, you know, yeah. we need to score five, six runs a game probably on average for us to have that chance. Because even though our division's poor overall, uh, Milwaukee has a winning manager. They understand how to win. They've won before. And they do have good pitching. So, um they're going to be there. I mean, they're going to go their ups and downs too, but they're going to be there at the end of the day. So, They've won some division titles before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll give them that. All right, N.O. Um, kind of on the same topic, same vein, uh, all the talk right now is about Shohei Otani and whether or not the Angels are going to re-sign him. You know, granted, looking at it this year, they're certainly in the race, but do they realistically feel like they can keep him? So, as a front office person, and specifically as the Cincinnati Reds, what would you give up to potentially acquire Shohei Otani? Keeping in mind that if you did acquire him, he may or may not re-sign with you next year. Um, and from a realistic standpoint, when you look at the Reds' payroll as it's expressed outwardly towards us you know being one of the lowest payrolls in the nf and mm-hmm. excuse me in the major league 26 you, you can't I believe. really you can't really afford shohei otani being what he is currently right mm-hmm. now you can't you'd have to give up too many of your talented players that you currently have i mean we talk about our top pitchers being young hunter green nick Ladolo, andrew abbott and then in the lineup who are you going to give up Will Benson, TJ Friedel, Jake Fraley, Matt McClain. I mean, obviously not Ellie De La Cruz, right? I, you would think not Matt McClain. It's just, 
It's just not realistic the way the Reds are constructed with all of their star young players right now not even being on a contract. They're making under $2 million a year. Go look it up. Almost every one of them. Under $2 million a year. So some mm -hmm. of them are going to be in line for a huge contract here in the near future. So Shohei Otani, not realistic. As a, Red, as a Reds front office guy, nope, I wouldn't even look that direction. I'd love to dream about it, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. look that direction. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. It's a nice pipe dream, right? Yeah. All right, JB, kind of mm -hmm. changed it up. Go ahead with your last one. Okay. So recently the U.S. men's national team uh, didn't show have its best showing in the Gold Cup and uh, before everybody, you know, freaks out. I'm going to discuss that a little bit later too. It was our not our A team. Um, we're still, I think, in a good position with the, the squad that we have and heading into 2026. And, you know, I would like to know what what does the U.S. men's team, they need to do this, we'll say blank and blank, to put themselves in position to actually win the World Cup in 2026. And your estimation. It's very simple play more and gain experience together with the top squad listen mm. watching that gold squad gold cup match a, a little bit not very much but it was quickly recognized that panama was with a more physical team obviously they were playing much older players it was their a squad i believe and yep. when you think back to 2018 i think the year before when they when they beat us to qualify for to get that last spot in the World Cup. You think experience playing together, experience playing together. I think every opportunity, especially a tournament like the Gold Cup, which is a mid-level tournament, our top squad should be playing together. Christian Pulisic and Timmy Weah with those passes to each other. Get the get the young guys in there. Tyler Adams, you know, backline defending. Who's gonna be your new backline defending group at its highest level? Why are you not playing them together? In the gold cup is the gold cup not that important well it should be because in every sport and i think soccer more than many just from what i've observed you need those guys to have camaraderie and be on the same page that's it it's well said play your yeah, a squad I, together more in, in these type of tournaments yeah i was a bit i i guess i didn't realize that you know i would have i just assumed hey it's a gold cup it's a big deal but for some reason they don't look at it that way um, i mean you don't even have you don't even know who your backline defenders are gonna be for the right. top right like right yep and you're and you're just throwing anybody out there for the gold cup okay yeah i, I guess make that money in the right. uefa champions i guess make that money but we're gonna suffer we're gonna suffer all right jb my last question mm -hmm. everyone's asking lebron about retirement everybody this summer <laughs> when he already said his goal was to play with his eldest son, LeBron Jr., a.k.a. Bronny James. What's their purpose? <laughs> Bad. You know, <clears throat> their purpose is to try to get a try to get a quote that they can use because it's what it seems like. Yeah, I mean, basic. Why? Why at this point is he going to change his mind on what he said he was going to do? You know, it's not like he's still. He still made an all-NBA team last year. Why would he even consider uh, 
retirement when he said he wants to play with this kid. So the only reason that they're asking is just to try to get a try to get a rise out of him or try to get him to, you know, get a quote. I mean, that's all it is. And everybody knows that when LeBron speaks, it's like everyone stops and pays attention. So if they can get a little snippet or something new that he says or a new take on it, a new way he says something, then they feel like they can make a name for themselves. I guess. Because it's pretty annoying to me at this point. (laughs) Yeah, media and social media run on sound bites these days. They don't even Lord. care about the full quote. They just want a sound bite, man. It's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, you're right. Like a clip. Yep. That's all they want, Nessa. New segment under the belt. There we we'll go. To that on the, on the spot. spot. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Smooth. Absolutely. Moving forward, y'all. TTWS. We got a lot of initialed episodes. Yes, sir. Uh, What's that me. one? Got What's a lot one? of initialed categories for segments on this show, and that team was stacked. JB and I, yes, sir. here on N on JB Sports Pedigree, relive the glory days of a team from a sport who, mm-hmm. goodness gracious, just dominated. Didn't even have to win a championship, but they're a team that you just, you know, from our childhood and our early adult years, we we can't forget this squad. And we've highlighted teams from all kind of sports. And I'm going to change it up a little bit today because, mm-hmm. JB, sometimes in sports, there is a team of one, mm. an individual who's surrounded by his team of coaches family and friends and that comes in the sport of tennis but the thing about the sport of tennis is that only one member of that team gets to be in the limelight this team is Novak Djokovic so we'll say Novak Djokovic and company center court at Wimbledon that team was stacked Novak was stacked is stacked on center court at Wimbledon because Novak has won 45 straight matches on center court at Wimbledon. And think about it, y'all. Whenever he comes to whenever he comes to Britain, he's always going to play on center court. Novak. JB, his last loss on center court at Wimbledon was July 7th, 2013. Wow. Against the hometown Brit, Andy Murray. This is why the earlier question from JB was answered in the way that it was. Novak is insane and that was a 26 year old Novak right this over 10 years later it doesn't get more stacked than this y'all Novak Djokovic 45 straight wins on center court at the all English club there it is the biggest stage wow incredible incredible the biggest stage on on what's considered by many to be the toughest grand slam of the year yeah being played on grass now some people say it's clay in France but the on grass in England, you know, do you not know, even the hard courts, you know. Yep. Do you know um, typically what the team can consists of or looks like for um, a big time tennis star? Obviously, coach, well, probably personal trainer. Definitely, um, I think it's it it runs in in that realm because when I think about the boxes, the players looking up to their boxes ever so often. You definitely mm-hmm. have a coach there. Sometimes you, there are personal trainers there. Then in a lot of the cases, it's a it's a family member who, who mm. trained them, you know, an athlete, you know, a parent who trained them in their family. So usually that's who sits in the box. I think they have a certain number of seats. I'll look it up here in a second, how many cool. specific number of seats that they have in the box, but that's the coaching staff. Awesome. Well, for my uh, TTWS this week, staying close to home with a Cincinnati Reds team 
We're gonna go back a little bit further than I normally would, switching it up a little bit again, as Eno did. And uh, specifically, we're gonna talk about a portion of the Big Red Machine. Everybody's heard of the Big Red Machine. Kind of goes without saying. Um, a lot of folks consider it to be the best baseball team ever assembled. Well, the 1976 Cincinnati Reds offense specifically uh, maybe the best of all time. You have four Hall of Famers and another that really should be in Joe Morgan, Johnny Bench, both considered by many to be the best ever at their positions. Pete Rose, I'm just counting him as a Hall of Famer, okay? Tony Perez and Dave Concepcion. Um, that would be five Hall of Famers if they were all in as they should be. Not to mention <clears throat> George Foster, who is a 40 to 50 home run guy. Ken Griffey, and Cesar Geronimo. Six of their eight starters hit over 300 for that season. There are only six guys in the entire National League this year that are hitting over 300 for the season that have enough at bat. six on that team. Six Gosh. of this team. This squad led the NL in doubles, triples, homers, runs, Walks and steals. Pretty much every major statistical possible category, this Reds are just a juggernaut. When they got to the World Series against the Yankees, nobody expected anything but a sweep. And, and that's what happened. I mean, it, was, it wasn't even fair. Now, they did have some good pitchers, but to be honest, I don't... This was a team that really... You know, they could have probably won with our Reds pitching staff that we have currently. That's how good <laughs> that's how good this this squad was. So 1976, big red machine, Reds offense. Unbelievably stacked. Man. I'm still appalled by what I just heard. And these are stats that I was not aware of. <laughs> that's why we do the podcast, y'all. We teach each other. But six dudes over three i mean that was six dudes coming to the plate and i'm sure the other guys wasn't far behind but you had no. to be on your p's and q's as a pitcher goodness yep. big red machine man y'all should Insane. go back and check out some highlights because especially if you're a reds fan because we got a young group who a few years down the road if they stay together <laughs> if we pay them all they they could get there but i mean yeah we that you you're not lying i mean as we got a that's 102 win team there um, geez, Joe Morgan's OPS was over a thousand for that season. Insane, insane. All right, JB, good stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Personal segment today. We're talking about an ignorant subject matter today, JB, but uh -oh. I think it's important to discuss it because people need to be able to decipher for themselves which one they want to be. You're going to be one or the other. Got to be able to distinguish between the two, JB. I'm talking about fans. Or fanboys. Fans versus fanboys. It's time to draw the line in the sand, man. <laughs> fans and fanboys run parallel, but they're on completely different planes of motion. I want the real fans to stand up right now and pledge to continue loving your team and athletes, but also acknowledging their faults. Continue to there not be condescending about teammates and opposition without at least acknowledging a few of their strengths. Continue to respectfully engage in heated discussions, expressing your opinion, but also listening to a point of view 
that you don't agree with as long as they have a solid base for their argument. And that's the key. It's okay to listen to people when they have a base for the argument. You don't have to agree with them, but you also don't have to talk condescending. Mm -hmm. JB, trying to change the minds of a fan on a subjective subject matter, that's when you start to venture to the side of fanboy. And from what I've seen, it's a pretty thick line. Your access, excuse me, excess knowledge about this one person, this one guy, this one team, this one subject matter, it would be cool if you never had to interact in society. <laughs> but you do. <laughs> you don't live in a bubble, you don't live in a vacuum. Furthermore, when you recognize that a fanboy's entire identity is founded on this entity, this mm. one thing, you understand that the best way to deal with them is just by smiling and letting them be. <laughs> smiling, nod. Picking your battles, y'all. <laughs> it's extremely underrated in 2023 don't yeah. engage and i know it's so difficult sometimes on social media you want to get your point across instagram facebook you just digging a hole yeah when you engage take this with a fanboy times for sure when you engage with a fanboy just digging a hole yep sounds like jonathan india's dad okay oh gosh <laughs> y'all look up that story yeah so uh, look, look it up. That's really good advice and some that I need to take because I've gotten I've gotten caught in that trap on social media. I certainly have. So maybe try not maybe India needs his needs his pops advice maybe. right now. Hitting like yeah. one seventy five over the past month. Man, we love you, India man. But we, we need you. you to hit man. Got to get it going today. All right. So uh, back a bit. I mentioned I was going to share a little more light on um, really soccer in general. <clears throat> just going to touch on the U.S. men's team and and also Chelsea slightly, um, kind of briefly anyway. So, as mentioned, didn't fare well in the Gold Cup. We lost, and, and for us, the expectation is if the if we don't win the tournament, it's a failure at this point. Um, lost in the semi semifinals to Panama. Um, we did see some of the positive. We saw some nice young players. There, a couple of nice. Um, Young center backs that were that played pretty well. A couple of midfielders. Matt Turner really was the only A player on the team. Um, certainly the only starter, and he did play and played well. Um, in general, our center back play was not great. Um, we barely squeaked by Canada, who was playing also their B team. So it's not like we have the excuse where they were playing their top players as well. They were not. Uh, we beat them on penalties. Um, and Brandon Vasquez of FC Cincinnati um, really had himself a pretty nice tournament up until the Panama game. Uh, the first four games, I believe he had a total of um, four goals. He had a, he had a couple of game winners. Um, nice center forward, you know, maybe making a case to at least make the squad um, in 2026. Um, as mentioned in last episode, Ferreira had back-to-back -back hat tricks albeit against a couple of pretty poor teams so got to score and it matters he did score uh to tie the game against panama we just played poorly in the first half um there was no consistency kind of to Eno's point looked like a bunch of guys who really didn't play much together they made some adjustments and played a lot better in the second half really dominated the second half of that panama game but couldn't get any goals and yeah, uh, experiences, yeah, you got to finish in the back of the net. Yep, experience was certainly a factor when it came down to it. Um, as far as Chelsea goes, just briefly, uh, 
because Christian Pulisic was on Chelsea and he's on that team no longer. Uh, made the okay, transi- transition now to uh, AC Milan in Italy, a top tier club in that country. And I think he fits well and will probably slot right in as starter there. Um, you know, and it's a shame. I think it's a good move for him. Uh, I, I wonder if he would have, with the new manager coming into Chelsea, if it would have made a difference for him. But at the end of the day, I feel like he was probably hurt by how he was treated this past year at Chelsea and uh, overlooked a lot. So nice, fresh start for him, and I think it's a good spot. Um, and, and Chelsea, it's crazy. Talk about a fire sale. So they, they spent like $600 million last year bringing players in. Like just, I, I don't know, like almost like you're reaching. Like what are you, what are you doing? So now outside of Pulisic, they've essentially lost an entire starting lineup, an entire starting 11. So I'll just list the names. Jao Felix and Dennis Sicaria, their loans ended. Uh, N'Golo Conte and uh, Eduardo Mendy and Koulibaly all to Saudi Arabia. Aspilicueta, who was a team captain to Atletico Madrid. Mateo Kovacic to Man City. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek went to AC Milan with Pulisic. Kai Havertz to Arsenal. Mason Mount to Manchester United. Crazy. (laughs) So these guys were, a lot of these guys were part of their last Champions League title in 2021. All gone. Pretty much starting fresh with a new manager. (sighs) Quick question. Quick question, JB, about this. Um, And that's some great information. I didn't know all of that. But you think Christian Pulisic might have met with the new coach and that's when he was like, okay. I got to get out of here. It's going to be much of the same. I would think so. I mean, they. Yeah. You would think they would have had a discussion, you know, and um, he probably told him, hey, this is my plan. Maybe, maybe you're not in it. You know what I mean? I, I would assume that that would Or did he just see who the new coach was? You know, maybe. Was like, okay, I mean, yeah, it's Pochettino. Yeah. He just came from PSG, so he was coaching Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi, you know. So he's a pretty. Point, point I'm trying to make is, I, yeah, from, from what you've described i think it had a lot to do with who the new coach was mm-hmm. you know so that's good stuff jb forgotten upsets y'all yeah forgotten upsets jb Long what one. you got man well you know i'm glad you let me start because i kind of lead right into that with um a chelsea team and i have briefly touched on this team before but it's story time forgotten upsets to me is like it's story time so um we're going back to 2012 when chelsea won the champions league um Nobody expected that. And prior to the upset in the final was the upset over Barcelona in the semifinals of the Champions League. So just to set the stage, uh, Chelsea really had struggled in the Premier League that year. They were 25 points behind first place in sixth place, meaning that unless they won the Champions League, they weren't going to get to play in the Champions League the next year. Um, And... You know, had a brand new interim manager. Their manager got fired earlier in the season. This is a Barcelona team that m- was made up of mostly the 2010 World Cup winning Spain squad, if you remember that group. Just some amazing players, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, all those guys. Plus, they had Alexis Sanchez from Chile, who was a world-class player, plus Lionel Messi. And they were coached by Pep Guardiola, who is an all-time, probably top three head coach and some called this club the greatest team ever assembled so needless to say huge favorites going into it and somehow 
Uh, Chelsea ended up getting a um, a 1-0 draw or 1-0 victory at home in the first leg, mainly because of brilliant goalkeeping by Peter Cech. Um, had an amazing save late in the game. Multiple shots by Barcelona off the post. Missed open nets. Uh, Messi missed um, one. And one of those games where you feel like the, the team, you know, played better, but they just didn't get it done, didn't finish. Um, but Didier Drogba, he didn't miss. Uh, scored on a breakaway right before the first half in that first game. And they went up and uh, finished that one off 1-0. So heading into into Barcelona and Spain, they were up 1-0. Uh, Barcelona, was, it was just nonstop attack from the get-go of that game. Um, Busquets scored in like the 30th minute to basically tie it up. And then John Terry got a red card. So their captain, leader of Chelsea... Gets a red card on a very questionable call. They didn't have VAR back then. Um, so Chelsea's now essentially tied, playing the greatest team potentially ever, and down to 10 men. Um, Barcelona then scores again right before the half, and then somehow, on a breakaway, Frank Lampard essentially about the halfway line turns and hits a lob pass in front of Ramirez. He runs onto it and hits like a floating shot from just inside the box that goes in, and, it's, and it makes the game a 2-2 heading into the half. So at that point, the way that the the, the scoring worked is that you have to, um, you get, you're an away goal, gives you an advantage. So Chelsea would have had one away goal, even though the, the score was tied 2-2 two two, at that point, Chelsea was winning. So Barcelona had to get another goal to advance, and they didn't. In fact... In like the 90th minute, Fernando Torres came in for uh, tired Drogba because, you know, you're running around playing defense with 10 guys and everybody gets super tired. Torres couldn't buy a goal all year or the previous year, was way underperforming and got a breakaway, jukes the keeper, puts it in the net to seal it. Um, Chelsea wins the, the tie 3-2. to two. So it was crazy. One of those uh, I'll never forget. Um, uh, a lot of people may have forgotten, but I'll never forget that one there you go you have it jb chelsea back to back all right we got an upsets on my end is going to be a soccer one as well really quickly it's a recent forgotten upset that just popped back mm. into my mind the other day last year's world cup from qatar had one of the most we'll oh, say improbable yeah. upsets especially considering how the tourney ended up argentina world cup champs yeah faced off against lowly <laughs> saudi arabia it's in like their the first, first match day. After an early goal, they scored actually a few other times, but were called for offsides on all of those occasions because of Saudi's high back line, which ended up being like the the calling card of why they won the game. Anyways, still in complete control into the second half, however, with a 1-0 lead. Saudi Arabia got a goal in the 48th minute that was against the run of play. I believe it was their first shot on goal all game. Salim Al-Sheri got it done and then it was minutes later when Salim Aldosari gave them a lead that they wouldn't relinquish and the crazy part is after they took the 2-1 lead the last 40 minutes of the game stadium was bonkers going crazy the Saudi keeper brought his A game and they left Argentina with zero points yes World Cup winning crazy. Argentina left them with zero points winning 2-1 Saudi Arabia over Argentina in the first match of the 2022 Qatar World Cup. Yeah, that was a crazy one, I remember. Um, 
I'm really just getting to see the highlights because I kind of slept in. That was an early in the morning game, right? Yeah, it was an early one. Yes, it was. Nice. Yes, it was. Insane, man. So there it is, y'all. There it is. Forgotten upsets. Um, What do we got next, you know? Sports Dichotomy. The Sports Dichotomy. One of the best segments. Um, Most original. We like to do. Mm-hmm. Answering yes or no questions going back and forth. We have it every other podcast, y'all. So we've done it a good 45 to 50 times now. Oh, yeah. And uh, it never gets old to me because these these subject matters that we bring up, like you think about all of the questions, we could talk about all of these things in depth. Absolutely. Sometimes you just you just need to go quick and keep it moving. JB, I'm going to kick it off today. Okay. Canada's World Cup basketball roster with guys like Shea Gilgis, Lou Dort, and Jamal Murray is good enough to beat the United States. Um, man, maybe I heard who the U.S. squad. I will say, yeah, I think they could okay. if they get them in the right game. Because yeah, I don't know if you've seen the U.S. squad or not. That's a good. That's a good threesome there, though. College football will be here sooner than you think. Georgia Bulldogs will win a third national championship in a row. Yeah, I don't know nothing about none of these teams. I'm just going to say no. Okay. Yeah, me neither. Saquon Barkley's contract negotiations are proof huh. of the plight that is being an NFL running back. Yeah, it's tough. Ab- absolutely. Uh, DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba will become a top 10 wide receiver duo in the league this year. No. All right. I mean, Gino. G. <laughs> Gino better. Yeah. Dame to the Heat makes more sense than any other trade destination. Um, I don't know, man. I'll, right. I'll just say yeah. Okay. I'll say yeah. A technical free throw being awarded for a perceived flop this year in the NBA will help to curb the epidemic of players flopping next year. No, I don't like that rule. It gives refs too much. No, <laughs> it's refs a, another here. discretionary call. Hey, it's going to be another block charge call. I don't like it at all. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin Cook, all free agents. 27, 27, and 28 years mm. old. Further proof of the devis- devaluation of the NFL running back. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Well, considering injury history and the position played, Saquon Barkley is right to hold out for a market setting deal and for that matter so is Josh Jacobs no nobody's gonna pay <laughs> no they're not gonna pay you yep. we'll see if they get paid the Oakland Athletics will somehow end up staying in Oakland they're really fighting right now um, I'm gonna say no I don't think they will okay. The home run derby is better than the actual all-star game. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll say that. <laughs> Shout out to Randy Rosarena. The U.S. men's national team should have had, and we already answered this one, kind of should have had the A squad playing <laughs> in the Gold Cup. Absolutely. At least some of I mean, you got to have some guys out there. Yep. Uh, N.O. was aware that the Cincinnati Reds are the first team in 130 years to have zero runs and less than eight hits in a three-game span. Yeah. Yeah. I knew that. Kept Man. talking about those type of stats. Man. CP3, Chris Paul, will surprisingly gel 
<laughs> Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins. Um, we'll say yeah. I don't know if I would be surprised either way. <clears throat> not Wimby, not Scoot, but Chet Holmgren. Ren, Chet Holmgren will be Rookie of the Year next year. It's a possibility, NBA. even though he's in his second year. It's a possibility. I know. Do we'll they count yeah. it though? Because he didn't play. Yeah, I don't know. No. All right, JB, did you know that Christian McCaffrey is the NFL's highest paid running back? I did know that, I believe. Yeah, I knew that. The Cincinnati Bengals will win their first Super Bowl next year. Nah, yeah. Nah, buddy. (laughs) Dang it. Nah. They'll be good, but I I I don't see it. The Reds will eventually add at least one starting pitcher to the rotation via trade. Yeah, they have to. They have to. Francis Tiafo falling in straight sets at Wimbledon early on in the third round is one of the biggest disappointments of 2023 for Eno. Oh, no. He lost to a ranked player. So, I mean, (laughs) if he would have lost in the first round to somebody I never heard of, I would say. But, Mm -hmm. no, it wasn't. it It was a losable match. Novak Djokovic is the best male athlete in the world right now. He's up there. Yeah, we'll say yeah. Okay. The NBA in-season tournament will matter, but only because the winning team, each player gets 500 grand, 200 grand to second, and 100 grand to third and fourth place. So so it's going to matter to them or to us? Like, I don't... (laughs) I mean, I think this is the trial session for it, but I don't... You know, everybody that I've talked to about it, they're saying... You know, it's supposed to make the game more exciting. How is it going to make it more exciting for us know. as fans? I don't know. How? Yeah. Like, why would I? Get, why would I care? <laughs> why would I care about them playing in a tournament during the regular season? Right. What are they? What doesn't make? It doesn't make sense. Like, so we'll see. We'll see. That was my last one, JB. You got any more? I do. No, will be tuning in to watch the New York Jets on Hard Knocks this year. <laughs> I've never watched Hard Knocks before. Me neither. <laughs> yeah, I've never watched that. That's all I mean, I've, got. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been in too many football on too many football teams and in locker rooms to. I mean, it's not entertainment to me because I've I've been there, not at the NFL level, but I've been there before. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, JB. What we got? Force dichotomy in the books again as we move forward quickly. Because I like the transition from Sports Dichotomy and the no-nos and JB's Justos. So it's JB's Justos today. JB. JB's going to first be asked a personal question, and then he's going to be asked to justify a situation. And the situation that I'm going to have you justify today, it's it's kind of something that we've talked about often, but I'm going to let you elaborate on it as much as you want to. But first, JB, when taking a summer vacation... Is the allure of driving and having the entire family in a car creating memories better than flying, even though flying may save time? Um, yeah, I think so. I think that because at the end of the day, depending on how far you're driving, you know, if I'm if, if I'm going to the entire other side of the country, uh, that may be different. Um, but if it's pretty reasonable um, because you got to think about too, even if you're flying, you are going to save time, but you're going to spend a lot more money and you have to account for the time that you have to get to the airport ahead of there. 
deal with all the going in through security and then TSA, all the you know, and then getting a possibly a rental car and driving from the airport. So all that kind of adds up to where it's not as even a big of a time saver as you may initially think, especially with yeah. a, a family. And you can definitely um, have some fun times on the road. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to driving through the night where it's quiet and get through quick. That'll be fun for me as well. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would say yeah, the driving is definitely better for me as long as it's absolutely, not, absolutely. a two-day trip. I'm about to say, what's reasonable? Got to ask that real yeah, quick because you think said within, reasonable. Within, uh, you know, somewhere I can drive in a day straight. 10, 10 15 hours? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Any more than that, it go. gets to be tough. No doubt. No doubt, no doubt. Good stuff, JV. All righty. Time to justify. I recently was talking to a former NFL player whose daughter is an outstanding flag football athlete in Arizona. Also a track athlete, by the way. His son, also an athlete, is an NFL cornerback who recently left the Atlanta Falcons and signed with the San Francisco 49ers. Now, our conversation approached the topic of defensive backs in the NFL who play with, we'll say, not so good defensive lines versus mm. defensive backs who play with an NFL, excuse me, with a run-stopping defense and or consistent pass-rushing defensive line. JB, I want you to justify something that we discuss regularly. Why everything about a defense, the toughness, the physical culture, and whether a defense is actually good or not starts with the defensive line and why poor defensive back play or even non-great defensive back play is a result linebackers as well is a result of how the defensive line is up front mm. falls out up front or doesn't jb you can start justifying now that's a good subject matter here yeah i think it all starts in the trenches you hear that often it's like cliche but it's a fact i mean and that's on both sides of the ball i think you know i i'm not somebody that played but just from watching so much you you see um such a difference if you've got guys that can get to the quarterback within two to three seconds it takes so much pressure off of the guys that are covering because i don't care how good i mean you could have Deion sanders on one corner and Daryl Rivas on the other corner. But if the guy has 10 seconds, I mean, at the end of the day, somebody's going to get open if they exactly. have all day to throw the ball. Too so, time. you know, certainly a higher skilled, more athletic and better corners can help to maybe cover up your lack of pass rush at times. And, you know, you know, they're going to make big plays uh, at times. But if you don't have a consistent pass rush and if you can't stop somebody from running the ball, which all starts up front, I mean, you don't hear somebody talk about a, a run stopping. I mean, there are run per, run support safeties, but mm -hmm. your, run, your, run, your run stoppers are your defensive tackles and D that's linemen. Right. So that's where it starts. And if you can't stop somebody from running the ball, they're just going to keep running it down your throat all day. 
<laughs> so it all starts in the trenches. And I think ideally you want to have be solid and physical, both stopping the run and rushing the passer. But if you don't have either, your, your defensive backs don't have a chance. I mean, so it's hard to really gauge players individually as it is in a sport like football because it's the ultimate team sport. But to say somebody is a good cornerback without taking into account everybody else that plays around them, to say that they're good or that they're poor, it's really not necessarily fair. You know, because it is such a team sport. Now, if you watch film and they're consistently getting beat one-on-one in a certain amount of time and you have that ability to really look at that insightfully, that's one thing. But if you see a guy, you know, if we see a team that's giving up 35 points a game, giving up 350 yards passing a game, it may not necessarily just be that their defensive backs are poor. It might also be the fact that they don't rush the passer at all and they have all day to throw it. So, Great stuff, JB. You know, I'm looking at stats, NFL mm-hmm. team opponent rushing yards per game from last season. Uh, five of the top ten teams were good, solid playoff teams. San Francisco, hmm. Miami, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City, the Super Bowl champs. And yeah. not even just run-stopping defense. You know, we talk about pass rush. Pass mm-hmm. rush, a pass rush, and the value of it. Just a consistent pass rush, whether you're doing it from a blitz or you can do it with your front four which is insane yeah if you can um, <clears throat> yep gotta have it and even and, not even always getting a sack getting a hand on them or just making a move off a spot just getting them uncomfortable it's a huge yeah it's huge. not even yeah nothing about it is about a sack like sack is sack is like the icing on the cake mm-hmm. but when you can make that qb move around and you and he's thinking about the defensive line coming more than he's thinking about throwing the ball down the field you've done your job you've won yep. you've won versus having him comfortable standing back there like my Indianapolis coach has been doing for teams for the last, I don't know how many years. I can't remember the last time we had an actual pass rush, but maybe this will be the year. Maybe. Maybe really, since Robert year. Mathis left, it feels like. Yeah, so shout out to that young man who, whose dad I was talking to going to play for the 49ers. And mm, we know. Man. That, no, they uh, got a D-line. <laughs> that that was a, a big focal point of our conversation and, and how um, it should make his job a lot easier and allow him to, you know, really flourish in his responsibilities being able to play with a good D-line versus Atlanta's D-line which is which is still young and, and trying to trying to figure it out. Mhm. It's good stuff, man. We'll see. We'll see. And and San Fran has a new defensive coordinator now. So they'll oh, they'll right. have some adjustments, but but with the players that they have up front, you know, and in the mid-level Fred Warner, you know, got Bosa. Yeah, they're it, very talented. They're bound to just continue in, down the path they've been going on with the greatness. So, yes, all right, JB, sir. good stuff, man. Good one, another good one in the books, and uh, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you share this with a friend if you think they might enjoy it, and uh, we appreciate all the love and the feedback. Hit us up no.jb.sportspedigree at gmail.com if you got any no questions doubt. or comments. And uh, tell us for us all day, yo. Yes, sir. Look for us on social media: TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. We're out there. We appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. Check it.
We keep pushing forward when the lights dim. The flame still burns when the night ends. So it's time to get animated promptly. My passion's connotated as anger. Wrongly, since I'm as real as it gets, I won't take that. Might spew a couple of words I won't take back. I'll be the thug who seems to bring charm. Check my skin in the US, I'm seen as that regardless. Docile and harmless, emblematic guinea pigs. Submit to control all the people in the city did. Silly kids only listen to that. Extreme numbers to them, to me it's how you attack. <laughs> Sometimes I think that I'm great. Then I stumble It's better to be lucky than good Keeps you humble I'm hands on in my approach So when I fumble I turn over to the most high Therefore I'll never crumble Tough Gotta get started to get ahead Conduct stoic They know I'm not acting scared I'm the type they feel they have to replace Demonizing the face In my black voice And masculine traits Like it's a problem Don't fear delusional types Mentally locked in But still in tune with the hype Whole models about deception I catch a trend And go the other way You can call it an interception What's popular Tends to reveal what's going down Standing back with a scope watching from across town The guidance from above is what I view as profound So when I see they really care, that's when I'm coming around